Good morning. It's good to be together this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, if you have your copy of God's Word, I'd love for you to turn with me to the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. If you have your Bibles, John chapter 6, and we'll begin there in just a few moments in verse 22. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to follow along with me. John chapter 6, and we'll begin in verse 22 in just a few moments. Thinking back on what was read for us just a few moments ago from John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15, I want you to imagine with me for just a second, what would you have done if you were a part of this crowd? How would you have responded if you were one individual in this multitude of more than 5,000 people? As a part of this large crowd, you're following Jesus. Not because you've heard about what Jesus is able to do. You're following Jesus, but it's not because you have heard what Jesus is able to do. Someone's told you about what Jesus is able to do. You're following Jesus because you've seen it for yourself. You've witnessed, you've experienced the mighty works, the miracles that Jesus is able to perform. Maybe you were there at the end of John chapter 4 whenever Jesus healed the nobleman's son. Maybe you were there at the beginning of John chapter 5 whenever Jesus healed a man who had been paralyzed for about 38 years. You saw the strength return to his legs. You saw him rise, take up his bed, and walk. You're following Jesus. Because you recognize there's something different about him. He's not like every other man. He's not like every other teacher. He's capable of doing things that nobody else can do. He's capable of accomplishing things that nobody else can accomplish. On this particular day, you've been sitting and listening to Jesus teach for hours and hours, but it probably only felt like a few minutes. You look up and it's evening. The sun is starting to set. It's dinner time. It's time to eat. You can feel your stomach starting to growl. You're starting to get really hungry. But what's the problem? You're in a deserted place. You're out in the middle of nowhere. You're in a place where there's no market. Not even a McDonald's drive-thru. And then add on top of that, there's only one person in this entire multitude who will own up to having some food. And it's not a rich man who would be capable of feeding everybody in the multitude. It's a little boy who only has five barley loaves and two fish. The reality starts to set in. You're probably going to go hungry tonight. You're probably not going to get anything to eat on this particular day. But then you hear a command, not only from Jesus, but also Jesus' disciples. Sit down on the green grass. Kind of confusing. Doesn't really make sense why they want you to sit down on the green grass. But as everybody else around you sits down, you don't want to be the only person standing up. So you sit down on the green grass and you watch Jesus as He takes the five loaves and the two fish. He blesses it. He gives it to His disciples. And His disciples take it out to a few people in the crowd. But it's kind of like a mascot. 
throwing out t-shirts into the stands. I told some people, I thought about deleting this slide from the slideshow, especially after what happened yesterday with Kentucky and Tennessee when they were playing in Knoxville. But I'm just wanting to show you that I'm a true fan here. It's it's almost like a mascot taking t-shirts and throwing them up into the stands. Maybe three or four or five lucky people are going to walk away with a t-shirt that's more than likely going to be way too big for them, but the rest of us aren't going to get anything. And you kind of find a similar situation here in John chapter 6. Jesus is handing out the five loaves and the two fish, but only a few people are going to get just a little bit of food from that, and the rest of us are going to go hungry. I don't know about you, but I get kind of angry and frustrated whenever I'm hungry, especially when there are people who are eating around me and I don't have any food. I think Snickers said it best, you're not you whenever you're hungry. But then you keep watching. As Jesus continues to produce more and more and more food. He continues to hand it to His disciples. The disciples continue to take it out into the crowd. You continue watching speechless until a disciple walks your direction. And He hands you some food. Some of the barley loaves and some of the fish. And you're able to eat, not just a little bit, but you're able to eat until you can't eat anymore. You fill up your stomach completely. It's, it's a bottomless bowl of, of fish and bread. It's an all-you-can-eat buffet where you couldn't eat another bite. A few minutes later, whenever you wake up from your food coma, you start to wonder, what just happened? What did just happen? Did Jesus really feed more than 5,000 people with only five loaves and two fish? Did Jesus really feed you? Did He really feed me with only five loaves and two fish? Now go back to that question that we asked just a few moments ago. What would you have done if you were a part of this crowd? How would you have responded if you were one individual in this multitude of thousands of people? All four Gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record for us the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of this multitude. But did you know that John is the only one who records what happens the next day? In John chapter 6, verses 22 through 24, it's the next day, but it's the same crowd. It's the same multitude. What did they do? How did they respond to this miracle that they had just witnessed? This miracle that had just happened in front of their eyes? A miracle that they themselves had benefited from? Well, you go to the very end of verse number 24, you look at the last two words, and it tells you what they did. It tells you how they responded. They were seeking Jesus. They were looking for Jesus. They wanted to spend more time with Jesus. They wanted to follow after Jesus. When you look at 22 and 23, you find all of these boats going in all kinds of different directions across the Sea of Galilee. All of these different people traveling through different villages and cities with one thought on their mind. I want to spend more time with Jesus. I want to seek Jesus. I want to pursue Jesus. I want to follow after Jesus. Pause. Isn't that the kind of people who we should be? Shouldn't that be our goal on a daily basis? Shouldn't we be people who are constantly and consistently following after Jesus? It doesn't matter where I have to take my boat. It doesn't matter how many times I have to cross the Sea of Galilee. It doesn't matter how many villages and cities I have to travel through. I have one thought on my mind, one pursuit in my life. I want to spend more time with Jesus. 
I want to pursue Jesus. I want to seek Jesus. It doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter who I'm with. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I want to live my life following after Christ. Following in His footsteps. And that's what we're talking about in this series of lessons that we started last week. Follow me. Follow Jesus. We are to be those who accept that invitation. We are to be those who treasure that privilege. Every single day, we are to live our lives following after and seeking after Jesus. Are you? Are you following Jesus? Every day that you live, regardless of what you do, regardless of who you're with, are you pursuing Him? Are you seeking Him? Are you following in His footsteps? That's an important question to answer. That's an important question to think about. But whenever you look at John the 6th chapter, this text is not really concerned with the question, are you following Jesus? This text is concerned with the question, why are you following Jesus? Let's take a look below the surface. Let's not just look at our actions. Let's look at our hearts. Are you following Jesus? That's an important question. But perhaps an even more important question is why are you following Jesus? What is your motivation for following in Jesus' footsteps? In this text, we find two options. Option number one, are you following Jesus just because of what He gives? Are you following Jesus just to get something out of Jesus? Are, are you following Jesus for selfish reasons and from a selfish motivation? We said in, in John chapter 6, verses 22 through 24, it's the same multitude that, were, that was fed, the more than 5,000 people who sat down on the green grass and ate bread and fish until they couldn't eat any more. It's the same crowd, but the next day. And in John chapter 6 and verse 25, they were seeking Jesus, they found him. When they found Jesus on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? We saw you yesterday on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. When did you come over here? We've been looking everywhere for you. Jesus answers that question, not really by answering their question. He responds by addressing them where they are. Jesus answered them in 26, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you hear those words from Jesus in the Gospel of John, it's time to listen up. Jesus is about to say something really important. That phrase places emphasis on what He's about to say. Truly, truly. Older translations, verily, verily. Literally, amen, amen. I say to you, you're seeking Me. Jesus knows what this crowd is doing. Jesus acknowledges that this crowd is seeking Him. They're pursuing Him. They want to follow Him. Shouldn't Jesus be happy with that? Shouldn't Jesus be content that the multitude actually came back the next day and now He has more than 5,000 people wanting to follow Him, wanting to spend more time with Him? Shouldn't Jesus be overjoyed? We might be tempted to think that this crowd is doing the right thing in John chapter 6. But remember, this text is not about are you seeking Jesus? This text is about why are you seeking Jesus? Jesus addresses their motivation. Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, but let's go below the surface. It's not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus didn't perform miracles just for the sake of performing miracles. He didn't do miracles just to do them. When Jesus performed a miracle, it was a sign to tell you who He really is. 
that He is who He claims to be. When you saw a miracle from Jesus, you were supposed to walk away from that miracle saying, I know who He is. He is who He claims to be. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God because He performed this undeniable miracle. When you walked away from a miracle of Jesus, you weren't supposed to walk away saying, wow, that miracle was amazing. You're supposed to walk away saying, wow, Jesus is amazing. Look at how great He is. I want to follow Him. I want to devote myself to Him. Jesus says, you're seeking Me. You're following Me in verse 26, but it's not because you saw signs. It's not because you understood the significance behind the miracle yesterday. You're seeking Me, but it's not because you recognize that I'm the Lord and you want a relationship with Me. He says, the only reason that you're following Me, your motivation, is because you ate your fill of the loaves. Whenever Leslie and I lived in West Tennessee, behind our house was a line of trees, and in those line of trees lived several cats. Leslie asked me more than once, several times, do you think we could put some food out for them? Do you think we could put some water out for them? Look at that. They look so hungry. They look so thirsty. Call me inhumane. Call me hateful. I didn't want to do it. And we ended up not doing it. You know why? Because once you put the food and water out there, you're never going to get rid of them. They're always going to be hanging around the house. They're always going to be coming up to the back porch. But it's not because they love us. It's not because they want us to adopt them in as our pets. It's not because they want to be pet and and they want to be loved and they want to be cared for. The only reason they would have anything to do with us is just to get another meal. The only reason they would have anything to do with us is just to get another drink of water. And you see the exact same thing with this multitude in John chapter 6 and verse 26. He says, you're seeking me, but it's not because you want me. It's not because you want to build or develop a relationship with me. It's not because you're understanding who I am and you want to follow in my footsteps. He says, the only reason you're seeking me is because you want another meal. You want me to feed you again. That would have been attractive in the first century world where the majority of people lived in poverty and the majority of people were asking the question, where is my next meal going to come from? Hey, if we follow Jesus, we won't have to worry about that. If we follow Jesus, we'll never have to wonder where our next meal is coming from. Just give him a piece of bread today and he'll feed all of us until we can't eat anymore. They thought that Jesus could be their endless supply of food and he addresses their motivation he says i know you're seeking me but it's not for the right reason it's not because you saw signs but because you ate your fill of the loaves you're only following me for what you can get out of me you're only following me for these physical things that i can give to you jesus says you're following me but it's for selfish reasons it comes from a selfish motivation why are you following jesus Are we ever like that crowd in John chapter 6? Do we ever follow Jesus only because of what He can give to us? Do we ever follow Jesus from a selfish motivation where we're only thinking about what we can get out of Jesus? This is a picture of the Trevi Fountain in the city of Rome. One of the oldest and one of the most famous fountains in the entire world. Whenever you walk up to a fountain, doesn't have to be one this fancy. Whenever you walk up to a fountain, what do you oftentimes do? Guys dig around in their pockets. Ladies are going to dig around in their purse to pull out some coins, take the coin and flip it into the water. You know how much money the Trevi Fountain pulls in every single day on average? 
about $4,200 a day. You do the math, that's about $1.7 million a year. Now, why are people taking $4,200 a day and throwing it into a fountain? Why are people taking $1.7 million a year and just throwing it away, throwing it into the water? If they want to throw it somewhere, they could throw it to me. What about you? I'll take it. Well, when you throw money into a fountain, you don't throw it in there for nothing, right? When you flip a coin into the fountain, you get to make a wish. And if you don't tell anybody the wish, then your wish is going to come true. Do we ever treat Jesus that way? Jesus, I'm going to draw near to You and I'm going to follow You and I'm going to walk in Your footsteps, but it's just because I have this coin and I want to flip it in so that You can give me whatever I want. Do we ever follow Jesus from that selfish motivation where we're just looking for what we can get out of Jesus? Do you think Jesus could look at us today and say something like, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you want a promotion at work. You want another job. You want to get good grades at school. You want to fit in with this particular group. You want people to view you in this particular way. Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you want a better marriage. And you want stronger relationships. You want me to heal this person who is sick. You want me to continue to protect you. You want me to continue to keep you safe. Truly, truly, I say to you, you're following me not because you saw signs, but because you want me to pour out tremendous and abundant blessings in your life. You're seeking me not because you saw signs, but just because you want to go to heaven one day. You don't really care about me. You don't really care about who I am. You just want to make sure that you spend an eternity in heaven. Why are you following Jesus? Are you following Jesus just because of what He gives? Just because of what He offers? Are you following Jesus just to get something out of Jesus? Like this crowd in John chapter 6? Or option number 2, are you following Jesus because of who He is? Are you following Jesus because you've come face to face with Him and said, I want to fall in love with you. I want to build a relationship with you. See, Jesus continues talking to this crowd in John the 6th chapter. He's just told them, you're seeking me for the wrong reason. You're seeking me with the wrong motivation. You just want to get more food out of me. So he gives them a command in verse 27. He says, don't work for the food that perishes. That's exactly what they were doing. They were working and laboring for food that's, that's going to perish. Jesus fed them the day before, but guess what? They're hungry again. It's already passed through their stomachs. It's already passed out of their systems. They're ready for another meal. Jesus says, don't work for the food that perishes. Don't labor for food that's going to be gone just like that. He says, work, labor for the food that endures to eternal life. Don't work for food that's just going to last you a few hours. Work for food that cannot be numbered by hours. The food, the bread that endures to eternal life. But then there's a question. What is the food that endures to eternal life? What is Jesus talking about there in verse 27 when He says that you need to pursue and work for and labor for this food that endures to eternal life? What, what is that? I wish we had the time to walk through the rest of this text and take it phrase for phrase and verse by verse. We just don't have that time this morning. 
but if you would, just notice a few highlights throughout this text as Jesus continues to talk to this multitude. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 32. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. What is that true bread, that true food? Verse 33, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. What is the food that endures to eternal life? What is the bread that endures to eternal life? The bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. What about verse 35? Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Oftentimes when we talk about the bread of life, we're talking about the Bible. We're talking about Scripture. Have you ever heard the prayer, be with this person as He breaks unto us the bread of life? The bread of life is not the Bible. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes, place their trust in me, shall never thirst. What about John 6 and beginning in 48? I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he'll live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And then John 6 and beginning in 53, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread or on this food will live forever. So take just those few verses there, just the highlights of what Jesus has to say and provide an answer to this question. What is the food that endures to eternal life? The better question is not what is the food that endures to eternal life, but it's who is the food that endures to eternal life. What's the answer? It's Jesus, isn't it? Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus says don't pursue, don't labor for the bread that perishes, but for the bread that endures to eternal life. In other words, don't follow me just for what you can get out of me. Don't follow me with this selfish motivation only thinking about what I can give to you. He says, follow me, seek after me because of who I am. My identity. I'm the bread of life. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. I am the bread of God. Jesus says, whoever feasts on me, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will live forever. That person will have eternal life. Jesus looks at this crowd and says, you're doing the right thing on the outside, but you got the wrong motivation on the inside. You're following me for what you can get out of me. What you need to do is follow me for who I am. Follow me because you want to fall in love with me. Why are you following Jesus? So often, I think you could agree that we're like this multitude and we follow Jesus. We walk in His footsteps just for the good things that He can give to us. 
What if you treated every other relationship in your life that way? Have you ever had a friend who only wanted to be your friend when they could get something out of you? A friend who they came around when they wanted something, they came around when they could benefit from you, but then when they got it from you, they disappeared. They're nowhere to be found. Would you even call that person a friend? Take it up a notch. What if somebody wanted to marry you just because of your stuff? What if somebody wanted to marry you, not because they love you, don't, don't get this confused, it's not because they love you or they want to have anything to do with you, they could care less about you, they just want to get your stuff. They just want to give you good things. I think we can all see, nobody wants a relationship like that. Nobody wants a relationship that's defined by selfishness. Nobody wants a relationship that says, hey, let me just see what I can get out of you. Can I tell you something from John chapter 6? Jesus doesn't want that kind of relationship either. Why are you following after Jesus? Are you following Jesus just because of what He can give to you? Or are you following Jesus because of who He is? He's the bread of life. The living bread that's come down from heaven. The bread of God. And whenever we feed on His flesh, whenever we drink His blood, we'll have the opportunity to be connected to Him, not only in this life, but also in the life that's coming. He is the bread, the food that endures to eternal life. This life is not about seeing what I can get out of Jesus. This life is about falling deeper in love with Jesus. This life is about building a relationship with Jesus coming to an understanding of who He is and following in His footsteps as a result. Now let's make one more point before we close. We've talked about two different paths that we can go down. Why are you seeking Jesus? I'm seeking Jesus because of what He gives. I'm seeking Jesus because of who He is. Where do those paths end up in John chapter 6? Well, notice first the result of following Jesus because of what He gives. In John chapter 6 and verse 60, you have this crowd, this multitude who's called disciples. They're seeking, they're pursuing Jesus just to get another meal out of Him. And when they heard the discipleship that Jesus is calling them to, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? What did they end up doing? What was the end result? Verse number 66, after this, many, not few, Many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. You know what happens when you follow Jesus just because of the good things he can give to you? You're going to have no problem turning your back on Jesus and walking in the other direction. Whenever you follow Jesus, with certain expectations, whenever you follow Jesus just for what He can give, when you don't get those things, and those expectations are not met, like this crowd, they're expecting a meal, but they didn't get the meal. When you have expectations and those expectations aren't met, you're not going to have any problem turning your back and walking away from Jesus to fulfill those needs somewhere else. To find those things somewhere else the result of following Jesus because of what he gives it might last for a little while but it's not going to last forever eventually you'll find yourself walking away from the Lord when those expectations are not met but what about the other side the result of following Jesus because of who he is well look at John 6 and 67 Jesus said to the 12 do you want to go away as well 
Can you hear Jesus' broken heart in that? He's watching this multitude walk off into the horizon. They've left Him because they would rather have what He gives instead of actually having a relationship with Him. And He looks at the twelve who seem to be the only ones left and says, do you want to go too? Do you want to walk away with them? And Peter responds in 68, generally when he opens his mouth, he automatically sticks his foot into it. But here he does a pretty good job that Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. What happens when you're following Jesus, not just because of what He gives, but because of who He is. And you're falling in love with Jesus. And you're building this relationship, not with what Jesus gives, but with who He is. When we follow Jesus because of who He is, we're going to stand alongside of Peter. And ask the question, Lord, where, where else can we go? There's not anywhere else we can do. You want to go away as well? There's not anywhere else I can go. Because Jesus, you're the only one. What are they talking to Jesus about? They're talking about his identity. You are the only one who has the words of eternal life. We've come to believe in our hearts and to know in our minds who you are. You are the Holy One of God and that's why we're going to stay. That's why we're not going to leave. When you follow Jesus because of who He is and you're falling in love with Him and you're digging deeper into your relationship with Him, you're not going to leave. You're going to stay. Because you know in your mind, you believe in your heart who He is. He is the Holy One of God. And when I recognize that, I know there's not anywhere else I can go. So really, we could narrow down this lesson to three main questions. Question number one, are you following Jesus? Yes, I'm following Jesus. No, I'm not following Jesus. There's no other option there. Are you following Jesus? Maybe you're thinking, well, no, I'm really not following Jesus. You have to start in the waters of baptism. You have to start by having your sins washed away by the blood of Christ. Acts 22 and verse number 16. But then maybe you are a Christian and you're still not walking in those footsteps. You don't have to stay there. You can follow after Jesus. You can change. You can rededicate your life to Him. But then you're, maybe you're thinking, yeah, I, I am following Jesus. That's what I'm about. Well, let's look below the surface and ask why. Why are you following Jesus? What's the motivation? Are you following Jesus just because of the good things He can give to you? Or are you following Jesus because of who He is? Because you've come to... Know in your mind and believe in your heart that He is the Holy One of God. And then how you answer that second question will determine how you answer this third question. Are you going to stay? Or are you going to leave? Are you following Jesus? Why are you following Jesus? Are you going to stay? Or are you going to leave? I invite you to answer that question as together we stand and sing.